Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And we've got, what can we celebrate? So much to celebrate. But I'm going to say nothing other than David Silver. We are going to celebrate on this week's show... David Silver. And to help me do that, I've got three guests. Welcome to three of my favourites, to Steve Cox, to Edward Timpson, and to Sarah Messenger. Hello. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Nigel. Listen, let us start with the great, the genius, the magician, that is David Silver. Sarah, I want you to kick off on this one, please. Just you can wax lyrical as much as you like. I think it's, I think I'm right in saying you've gone out there and said he is the best player you have ever seen play in a Manchester City sky blue shirt. Am I right in saying that just to get that out there first? You are right in saying that. And I, I, I didn't see your dad's favourite, but I did see as a very young child, Colin Bell. So I have got something to compare him to. If you look at the usual names that appear, I mean, you know, Twitter has been awash with love for David Silver this weekend, and I'm sure all the other social media sites as well. Um, and, you know, there's that thing that you think you're the only person in the world that loves him more than anything that you could possibly describe, and then you see all these other people on Twitter who love him as much as you do, and um, you're sort of glad, but then you sort of feel a bit of that special relationship you have with David is slightly tainted by all these other people that of whom he is the only person. They've got a signed shirt on the wall. He's the greatest player they've ever seen the joy and happiness he's brought us um, I was even a bit upset the other day when I actually did clap him as he walked the pit, walked off the pitch in, in the comfort of my own living room and then saw about 473 other people on Twitter who'd also stood up and clapped him <laughs> off the pitch so I didn't even have that to myself um, what can I say David Silver um, for me he has been my favourite player of the last 10 years and he's had some pretty stiff competition um, 
And the reason I love him is because he's done things uh, consistently that I don't think we've ever had a player who, who did it in the way he did it. All right, we have players like King Cladzi and Bernabia and so on, but there was just something about the way David Silva played and the way he controlled the rhythm of our play and the passes he would produce that was just very special to me. And I don't think I ever thought I'd see a City player as good as him, and we did. And that's one of the reasons why we love him so much. Edward, a bit of man love, a lot of man love. Where do you sit on the love, the love scale, oh, Silver? Yeah, a lot, a lot of man love. I mean, I'm on the record as having Joe Corrigan as my all-time City hero, but uh, I think David Silver has um, now really taken that mantle to a, to another level. I mean, it, he's one of the the very few players who, when I'm sitting in the stadium with my dad, and I'll, he'll do something. One of his He's uh, now the, the, the silver turn, and I just one of us will turn to each other and say, "Did you see that?" And it's just that sort of that moment. You think no one else can do that except David Silver, and his ability just to control a game, the tempo. If he ever had a, a, a day where he was off colour, it was so rare uh, because you, know, you almost expected him to to just perform again and again and again. I think that's one of the reasons why he's been massively undervalued and underrated in, in many respects by. Uh, the Premier League more generally during his 10 years. You know, we've had the privilege of seeing him uh, throughout his uh, golden years, that, you know, from tra- age 24 to 34, I think it is. And he's stuck with the club. He's given us, through, through all of that time, our greatest ever uh, run of trophies. He's been at the centrepiece of that. He has to be a city legend. And I, I, I think he has to be, if not at the top of the tree, uh, then you know, very, very close to it, and I think he's probably now uh, the one who is a, is a, you know, at the pinnacle, and he's he's going to be very, very well. He's going to be impossible to replace. And I think this idea that Foden's going to be the new Silver, he's not. He's still Foden. David Silver's a one-off. We'll never see the like of him again. I'm just glad that it was in a City shirt. Steve, your thoughts on David Silver? Well, he's the player that. What other players find difficult to do, he finds easy to do, and it comes naturally to him. He has an instinct to play. He knows where people are going to be. He almost sees a picture of the pitch before anybody else does. He knows where you're going to run before you know where you're going to run, and he puts the ball absolutely on a plate. He doesn't do the long passing that De Bruyne does, but everything he does, he does exceptionally well. He's so understated as a person as well. He's such a nice guy. He's got such a nice way about him. And he loves Man City through and through. I mean, he is without doubt the best player I've seen in a City shirt. And I've seen the likes of Bell, Stewart, etc. And some of those are my heroes, but he surpassed them. And, and, you know, long may he have fun in retirement. (laughs) Bless him. Sarah, can I come back to you and, and do my usual devil's advocate here? I mean, we, you talk, we've all talk, said that he was the best player I've ever seen. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, Colin Bell, for me, as I've said many times, and uh, Edward has sort of many times talked about Joe Corrigan as well, but I'm, I'm just not sure. And just for the record, you're quite right about my dad. Um, even today, the great Peter Doherty uh, will not be surpassed, I think, and uh, he still sees him as the, as the greatest player he's ever seen in a sky blue shirt. But, he, but he's absolutely up there, there's no question. But, but what about the last 10 years? Let me throw some names in. Vincent Company, Sergio Aguero, Yaya Torre. Are you saying that the company, the captain, the leadership he brought, the, the, the trophies he lifted, Aguero, 
record goal scorer for the club. Yaya Torre, one of the most influential players the Premier League's ever seen, those surging runs. Are you telling me that David Silva trumps all three of those? So, in a way, the question is a perfectly reasonable question, but it's almost impossible to answer in, in a straightforward way because, of course, we all love Sergio. Of course, we all loved Vinny and were very upset when he went. I think the love levels for Yario were a bit, little bit less, although that's not to diminish what he contributed to us as a team and, you know, the fact that he was another great player. For me, it's about the emotional attachment. There's something about David Silva that I think a lot of City fans just connected to. And it was partly because of his brilliance and him doing things that, um, well, most of us hadn't seen a midfield player do and and do them in a team that was actually capable of winning things. I mean, you know, there's lots of players who've had moments of genius um, over the years, but usually in a team that was bloody useless. So to have somebody as good as him in a team that could win things, to be the kind of person he was, there was nothing flashy about him, nothing arrogant about him. Um, he just, as I think um, Steve and Edward said, was just a lovely guy um, and, and portrayed a sense that he really did love City. Um, and I think, so I think it's an emotional thing as much as it is a kind of assessment of who's the better player. Because to be frank, I think it'd be really difficult to say, I mean, you know, is David Silver a better player than Kevin De Bruyne? Probably not. And maybe we'll be having this conversation about Kevin in, in another five years' time. But So I, that's the only way I can answer that, that it's emotional for me. Uh, and Edward, what about the argument? And again, I've still got my devil's advocate hat on here. That the fact that some would argue he, he hasn't scored enough goals. And if I suppose if you look at the game uh, against Norwich at the weekend, he had a number of chances and, and one or two of those he probably should have scored. So there is a school of thought that says actually genius of the years, magician of the years, all the things that you guys have said and articulated beautifully in front of goal, he hasn't maybe scored as many as he should have done. How would you, how would you defend him on that? Well, first of all, he was never, uh, you know, an out and out striker. He had shown ability um, before he came to city uh, and playing for Spain to find, find the back of the net. But that, yes, and there were times there were games where, he, there were a number of chances which didn't go the way that you would expect them to if he if he was on form. But I, I, I was looking at one of the, the goals that he scored this season, which was, uh, I think it was away at Crystal Palace, when uh, Sterling sort of dinked it over the defence and came over David Silva's shoulder in the first time volley into, into the net. So he, he certainly had the, the, the skill, um, but I think he took more joy and satisfaction in many ways out of the number of people that he set up for either a goal or for a, what then turned into an assist. And it's that, that sort of um, that pure talent that he had to keep the, the engine room ticking, which is something that is why, why I said before he's probably underrated because he, I think he's got 60 goals at, yeah, so that's about every six a season. It doesn't sound very much, uh, but that's in a team that's, that's knocking in, uh, well, another season of, of 100 goals. So, you know, he, his role in the team um, wasn't to be someone who would, uh, someone like, Sterling is now doing is becoming a 20 plus goal a season player and you know he he offered so much else to the team that in some ways those goals are, are a bonus on top of what he was already doing so yes it wasn't his number one um, contribution to the team but by god he was doing a hell of a lot more else contributing and Steve can I just pick up on the, this sort of Foden is the natural replacement 
Um, I, I, you convinced, I mean, there are two very different players. There's a massive age gap, of course, as well. I mean, Foden, surely he's going to find that difficult to fill Silver's boots, isn't he? Yes. Um, can I first expand, though, a little bit on what Sarah said and what Ed would have said there about David sure. and being the best? Because I'd like to put that to bed first, if I may. I think what Sarah said in her first statement about him was the fact that he's consistent, without a doubt. All of those other players that you named there were brilliant players for us. However, none of them have been what I would say 100% consistent. Whereas David Silver's bad games, you could probably count on one hand. Actually, you probably wouldn't need a hand to count them, to be fair. Um, the other thing, the, in regards to the goal scoring, I think David's unselfishness in the way that he plays is why he hasn't necessarily scored as many goals for us because he always looks for the pass to somebody else in potentially a better position than him. Now, sometimes I've found that frustrating because I've thought he should take a shot when he's actually setting someone else up. And all of the other players that you've named there, Aguero, Torre, De Bruyne, company, they all name David Silva as probably the best player that they played with. So I think if you take that, I think he has to be the best player. Now, in regards of Foden replacing him, I don't think Phil is a direct replacement for David Silva. Everybody calls him a stop. We seem to pick up this nickname of the Stockport Iniesta, but he's Phil Foden. He has learned from the various players that he plays with, Aguero, De Bruyne, Silva. I don't think he's trying to turn into David Silva, but I think he's trying to take the best bits of David's game and add them to his own. But he's also a more dynamic player. He's definitely better in front of goal. I think he'll turn out to be an absolutely excellent player as long as he stays fit and he keeps practising hard on, on the pitch. He's certainly turning into, into a very, very good player. Pep's used him quite wisely, I think, so far. He's not overused him. If anything, he's probably underused him. And I think we've yet to see the best of him. He's played very well since we came back from lockdown. and someone who certainly impresses me, but I don't think you can replace David Silva. He's is irreplaceable. However, Foden will fill a gap in the team and eventually will grow into the kind of player that we'll be saying, David who? <laughs> so I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll be talking about Phil Foden uh, on the show for, for many weeks and years to come, hopefully. Uh, let, can I move on to... Another player, Sarah, that's been touched on, and, and, and Kevin De Bruyne just gets better and better. And of course, as we know, this weekend he equaled uh, the assist record. He's now equal with Thierry Henry uh, with, I think, 20 assists um, in a season, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, and he's also scored a few as well this year as well. He scored 13 as well, of course, himself. Um, pipped to the Football Writers Player of the Year by the excellent, the outstanding, the talented, the genius that is Jordan Henderson, the clearly head and shoulders above Kevin De Bruyne as a footballer. Um, forget what he's achieved with the amazing Liverpool side, of course. Uh, but as a footballer, when you put those two side by side, clearly the football writers, quite rightly, have gone with the magnificent Jordan Henderson. Your, your thoughts and reflection. I guess you'd want to congratulate Jordan on his award first before briefly touching on Kevin De Bruyne, maybe. Well, you've just done that for me, Nigel, with the eulogy about him, and what can I add to that? Um, 
Well, I mean, you know, it's a ridiculous conversation. There's, it, it's not even a discussion, is it, about who the better footballer is. We know it's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and it's not just City fans that know that. I think quite a lot of fans of other teams know that De Bruyne is both a better footballer and actually has had a better season. Most of the football writers that I've seen commenting in the last week have made a big deal about how the footballer of the year is not just about what they do on the pitch, it's off the pitch. And that's what sort of swung it for Henderson. There wasn't a cat in hell's chance in the year they win the league after the first time in 30 years that a Liverpool player was not going to win it, even though we all know it doesn't always apply that rule to City. Um, and I, you know, I think they quite like the idea of giving it to... It's almost like Henderson, after his terrible start at Liverpool and his tears in the Champions League final, you know, this sort of workman-like journeyman footballer has achieved the pinnacle and somehow it had to be recognised. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm not even going to pretend that there's a debate about whether De Bruyne is a better footballer than Henderson. He's streets ahead of him as a footballer. And, and actually, I think it's true that he is the best midfielder in the world at the moment and has been probably for two or three years and hopefully for another five to come. Edward, I think uh, Sarah struggles slightly to heap praise on Jordan Henderson. Do you want you want to try a bit harder for us and see what you can come up with? Footballer of the year, well done, Jordan. Off you go, Edward. Yeah, well, he was captain of uh, the team that won the Premier League, so I guess that puts him in good position. Um, but I think Sarah has absolutely nailed it. That uh, when we win the league, I think a Liverpool player won won the, the player of the, the season. And uh, when Liverpool win the league, a Liverpool player wins player of the season. Now, there's all sorts of other politics with a small P going on um, in these decisions, as we know. And uh, so it comes as no surprise that, once again, that when we produce the the best performer across the whole league uh, for the whole season, uh, we we end up not getting that recognition. So... Um, you know, and I think Kevin De Bruyne, since we've come back after uh, lockdown, has demonstrated not only is he uh, back at the level that he was before, and I think he's actually going up another gear, and he thinks he can get even better. So uh, from that point of view, irrespective of what the writers may think, as a City fan, that is fantastic. And I've, um, you know, it, it, I don't really need to say this, Nigel, but if I'm going to have someone in my team for next season and I had a choice between Henderson and De Bruyne, um, I'm, I, well, I think you, I don't even need to give you the answer. <laughs> I, know who, I know who Liverpool would pick if they were given that choice as well. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, Steve, being serious for a moment, I mean, the, the stuff that De Bruyne has, has done, I think Edward made the point, particularly since lockdown, uh, the stuff he does, the vision he has, the, the, he, you know, he, he just does certain things on a football pitch that, that no other person on the planet can do. And, and he's scoring goals as well. He really is a very special footballer, and it's just such a pleasure as a City fan to see him week in, week out. And as, as Edward said, he is getting better every single week. The um, two things that he did yesterday for me that sort of showed that, the first goal where he moved the ball and he saw the gap in Krull's goal before Krull had recognised it, and he put the ball bang in there. Unbelievable. And the speed with which he finished the second one, where it came off the post, the look on Krull's face as that hit, if it, I think there was a camera angle they showed from behind the goal, and Krull just looked at it to say, what the hell can I do about that? There was nothing I could do about it. De Bruyne has a goal scorer's instinct, but he has the best vision I've ever seen of a footballer on the pitch. He, his passing is unbelievable. He's got a fantastic engine. People talk about 
or was trying to justify the fact that Henderson is a box-to-box midfielder. Now, we have all seen De Bruyne do exactly the same. He doesn't shirk his defensive responsibilities. In fact, more often than not, in the last 18 months or so, whenever a player has been broken up in the middle of the field, it's always been two players that have done it. It's nearly always Fernandinho or De Bruyne that have actually done it. He fights back and then he spots the attack. He sees the weak point in their defence and he plays the ball perfectly. People don't always read it as well as he does, so therefore we don't always profit from it, but he's by far the best midfielder in the world. Can I change topics slightly? And this is something a bit of a paradox here. Um, and that is that Edison won Golden Glove. Uh, we scored 100 goals, and yet we were far from winning the Premier League. That's a real paradox. It's a real problem I'm so grappling with. Um, and, and does that mean that it's been a disappointing season? So, so, so uh, a lot of people are saying it's been a disappointing season for City. But let's just say, you know, we've 100 goals. Uh, we've won one part. We've got to... Uh, we're not through to the Champions League yet. Who, who knows? Uh, the season isn't over, of course. But at the moment, how disappointed are you, Sarah, uh, with the fact that we're so far off Liverpool in the league? We've not won the FA Cup this year. We're out of that. Um, and we, yet we've scored 100 goals and Edison's won the Golden Glove. But how, how do you square all that off? Help me a bit here. Um, it, I mean, it's hard to square it off. Well, it, I, it's not if we turn to our defensive frailties, which I'm doing in a second. But just to say... I, of course, I mean, you know, when, you, when you've got a team as good as ours and when we've won as much as we've won in the last few years, inevitably it's easy to say we're disappointed. I do remind myself that 20 years ago, I'd have given anything for a season where we won the League Cup. I'd, that's all I, that would have made me happy for the rest of my life. So to be kind of disappointed in a season where potentially we only win one cup... Um, just feels a little bit like we're forgetting our roots, even though a team as talented as City probably should be winning more than just a League Cup every season, uh, you know, in any given season. Um, it, you know, the disappointing thing is that we haven't got a defence that is um, the equivalent of our midfield and our attack. Um, and I also think we need another really good goal scorer as well, but we can we can come to that another time if you want. You know, the loss of Laporte, the lack, the lack of replacement for company, um, the issues actually with full-back, particularly left-back. Um, we've been talking about them on this show for two years, and we still haven't sorted them out. So I guess we're all hopeful that this is the transfer window when those issues get resolved and we get a defensive backline that gives us the stability for our midfield and attack to do what they do because they're clearly still functioning if they're getting 102 goals in a season Edward where do you sit on this paradox as I call it well I think it, you've got to be careful uh, to sort of take up Sarah's point that we that we don't just look at this season as against last season or even the season before that this is over a period of time where we built ourselves up to be a trophy winning uh, club where every season we seem to be picking something up. Now, it's not been as uh, impressive uh, in terms of the trophy cabinet, and part of the reason for that is we've heard about the, the, the defensive issues. Also, if you look at our whole league season, we've never really been able to go on a good long run of wins. Remember, we won, I think, 14 in a row at the, the end of the, the season before last. And this season, we've had normally three or four games and then a loss. Three or four games, then a loss. I think only two or three occasions we've won three in a, more than three in a row. So, so that consistency has been a real problem. That's been our Achilles heel. 
we thrash teams as we have done um, fairly well since um, end of lockdown and uh, earlier in the season, 5-0, 4-0. But then it's those those losses, those 1-0 for Southampton. It's the odd goal. And they're, they're the games where that sort of steel and resilience that we had um, in some of the other seasons has not shone through. So we know what the issues are, but we can't be disappointed with the fact that we're finished second, albeit further behind than we'd want to be. Uh, in the top league, we won another trophy. There's still a chance of the, the one that we need to, to complete the, 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 the whole sweep um, uh, since uh, we've, we've started winning trophies again. So, yes, a little tinge of what may have been. But overall, I think we have to be pleased that the club is still moving in a positive direction and they know what they need to do to fix it. Uh, and with the, the Champions League still uh, ahead, both this season and next season and the season afterwards, we hope, there's lots still to look forward to. So let's not get too down and recognise that actually there's been some good things that have happened this season. Um, it hasn't been the stellar one that we, we've come to expect, but it, it's still been uh, enough for us to, to feel that we're, we've got a club which is on the up. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. So, Steve, are you disappointed or are you, like Edward, kind of pleased that we're kind of moving in the right direction? Where do you stand on it? It, it, it's, it would be easy to be disappointed given the success of recent years, but I think we are in, you know, we've won one trophy. We're in with a very good shout of getting to the Champions League final now. Um, and I think we didn't do brilliantly in the league, mainly because of the, the sort of frailties that we've, we've had with uh, defensively and our second, second string uh, rotation players haven't seem to be quite as strong this year as they have in previous years and some teams have probably worked us out a little bit but you know if we go back to Christ 2011 we hadn't won a trophy for 36 years at that point in time so we've got to be happy with what's been delivered in the last 10 to 15 years and we as a team are going to be moving in the right direction because things will click into place they know what they need to fix at the back we know that Fernandinho is getting a little bit long in the tooth, but Rodri does seem to be coming through a little bit better now. He seems to be being a little bit more consistent and he doesn't seem to dawdle so much on the ball. So I think we've identified where the weaknesses are and they're working on them. So I, th- I think it's all positive, really, moving forward from here. And so let's talk about the 100 goals specifically. And, and it's interesting that, that within that, I think Sergio only scored 16, which is not a great return for him. Obviously, he's had his, his troubles and his injuries. Um, Sterling, of course, is is the standout striker with 20. Uh, Gabriel Jesus sort of chipped in with 14, and we've already touched on uh, 
on De Bruyne as well with his 13. Your, your thoughts, sir, on that sort of strike force? You've mentioned that you think we do need another striker. Is that because you're not convinced by Gabriel Jesus to step into um, Aguero's shoes as he probably plays less and less next season? Where do you stand on that? I think it, it, for me it's more about the fact that um, Sergio is 32 and has a quite lot of injury issues over the last few seasons. Look, he's a great player and hopefully we'll get another couple of good years out of him. I actually don't, you know, I'm not a Jesus hater. I think that he scored some lovely goals for us. He scored some important goals. He doesn't score as many as I would like for the chances that are given to him, but I certainly wouldn't get rid of him. Um, I just think we need a, th- a third, I mean, ideally world-class, but certainly really good striker. We always feel, and I, 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 you know, I know that we've got five players that have scored ten or more goals, which is fantastic, because like Mares, De Bruyne and Sterling are in there, along with Jesus and Aguero. We spread the goals around, which is great as well. But um, I just feel that we need another striker as opposed to a midfielder who scores goals and and I you know look Sterling is an immense player and I love him and I'm almost wary of saying this but there's still something about Sterling that means I'm not 100% convinced that ball's going to end up in the net in situations where I think it should so actually it's brilliant that he scored 20 league goals I think he should have had 30 this season I think he's missed some really good chances not half chances good chances um, maybe next season he'll crack that and they'll all go in. But I think that's why, and maybe I'm being greedy, but that's why I'd like another striker. You want another striker, Edward, as well? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to turn them down if they, <laughs> if, if they fit the mould that um, Sarah just described. I mean, I think back to the, the Jacko days, not, not that he, you know, he, he was probably just sort of slightly short of world-class, but he just gave us that different options and maybe having someone who uh, is quite physical can be sort of that um, centre point, a sort of talismanic figure who at a time yeah, Aguero uh, is not going to sort of be with us for that much longer and we can't rely on him to, to give us uh, a full injury-free season so um, I, think, I think the Sterling questions are going to be interesting as to whether he's someone who may play more through the middle uh, with Sane gone it does leave us um, in a position where we used to have lots of options uh, on the left side and, and less than, than we have. But Mahrez has had a, his best season by far um, and he, he's really uh, given us, uh, I think, what we hope we'd get um, from the get, get-go. But um, a, a, another striker, the, the problem is trying to identify them, uh, the funds, um, how they fit with the, um, the, the domestic player rule for the Champions League because you want someone who's there for the big games. Um, either to come off the bench, um, but overall to be someone who'd be a fox in the box and, and put away the chances. Uh, and Sarah, I think, came up with a left-back, a centre-back and a striker. W- would you agree with... We're sorry if I've missed one of yours, Sarah. I think that was the three you came up with. Edward, would you, are you kind of in that camp as well? Is that kind of, as the sort of Premier League, the curtain drop falls on the Premier League season? Is, is that where you think we're, we're lacking or do you think there's maybe another one there somewhere? Well, I, I, it's no secret that uh, we need a centre-back and um, I think the, the, the scouts have been very busy uh, trying to identify the, the right choice. Um, some few names banded about, including Nathan Ake. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Um, I need a little bit of convincing. Uh, and left-back, it just seems to have been, um, gosh, going back a long time now, um, a, a problem position for us. I've spent a lot of money on it. 
Uh, Cancelo, <coughs> the, since lockdown, has um, particularly the last week or so, has, has impressed a lot more, and he can obviously play on both sides. But I'm not sure he is sort of a full-time fix uh, for left-back. So we're going to have to uh, think hard about how we sort of plug that to the extent that uh, we have that, that really solid defensive back four that we know we need to stop leaking those um, sort of unfortunate goals that uh, with uh, Otto Mendy or um, on occasions Men- Mendy on the left there, uh, we, we're much more susceptible to. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there's, there's other strengthening we could do elsewhere, but don't forget we, we did uh, blood some of the youngsters throughout the season. Um, and that there may be room for them to step up again. But um, I, I think if, with Guardiola staying with Champions League football next season, uh, the owners as well as us fans are going to really want to see us do everything we can to get uh, wrestle the league back off Liverpool and make the most of what uh, what the cup competitions can offer us. So I, I expect us to do in the, the sort of slightly strange transfer window now through to, I think it's like early October, uh, to... To, to push some of those uh, positions through, so we're, we're a much stronger outfit next season. Uh, so, Steve, you're an experienced retailer. What does your shopping list look like? Okay, my, my shopping list would, would definitely include a, a centre half. I'm not 100 percent convinced about Ake as a first uh, first choice player. Um, I would probably go more for Kudabali if we can get hold of him. I think definitely a left back is um, is something that is troubling us. I'm, I'm not convinced about Mendy. Zinchenko is only a kind of fill in there. Um, I have liked the look of Cancelo there, and I think actually if you could keep Cancelo at the club, that would make some level of sense. We definitely need another striker. I would have loved to have someone like Erling Haaland, um, given the fact that he was a City supporter when he was a kid. That would have been nice for him to come and play for City, but I, I think he's into a longer-term contract now. But it would be good to have another option. Quite often we seem to chuck the ball into the box and we haven't really got any height in the box to actually make any use of it. So having a taller striker, Alain Giacomo, uh, would probably make some level of sense. Um, I certainly think we need to be a little bit more sure about what's happening in midfield. Um, I know that Fernandino has um, extended his contract for another year, but we really need someone who can kind of carry it along with Rodri because you can't expect Rodri to stay fit for a whole season. So we probably need to look at what the Fernandino replacement would be now uh, and start getting something in place because I'm not convinced it would be Gundogan. Gundogan is, for me, probably is better when he plays a little bit further forward and he's a bit more of a playmaker. I don't really see him as much of a defensive midfielder. Um, and we're going to need a reasonable backup or make sure there's a reasonable backup for Edison because I believe Bravo's actually on his way, isn't he, this summer? So um, there's a little bit of work to do there, um, but I'm sure we've got the funds to do it and I think the club have got the people in mind that they would like in those positions. All right, we've not talked very much about sort of Norwich and Watford sort of 5 and 4 nil. although we've kind of touched on the goals and, and the goal scorers, uh, and I don't, don't, propose, don't think we need to do that. Can, can we look forward before we go then just the Champions League, because FA Cup final this weekend, for the first time in what seems a long time, will not feature Manchester City. Uh, we, uh, we've got the Champions League to look forward to. Obviously, we've got a, a tie to get through before we go through to this sort of mini-tournament. Um, just really wanted to uh, finally your, your thoughts on that and uh, how you think we're going to prepare and, and what you think our chances are, Sarah. To start with you then in terms of Champions League and, and that small matter of Real Madrid first to get get through, of course. Yes. So, and of course, they're playing quite well since lockdown. They've just won the title, haven't they, in Spain? Um, 
I mean, there's a big. I think there's been this big agenda that this year was Liverpool's year. They had to win the league. They came close last year, and you know, they were determined that that was where they would focus their attention, and that conversely, City would focus their attention on the Champions League. Um, I, I find it really hard to call because there's part of me that believes that we're as good as anything else that's left in the competition, but there's another part of me that thinks our defence against a really good attacking team. Is not is not necessarily going to be good enough. Now, all right, we've got Laporte back. He seems to be playing well with Garcia, but there's a difference between Garcia playing against Watford and Norwich as opposed to Bayern Munich in the semi-finals or whatever. Um, and I, I, that's why I think we need two centre-halves because I think the Stones and Otamendi will go. And I think one of the reasons they want Ake is because he can also play left back. Just for information, <laughs> that's what I that's what I heard on the grapevine. Um, but I so. Look, you know, it, the Champions League, you need a bit of luck, but we've, we've, we've got a chance, and that's probably as much as I can say at the moment. I think we've got a good chance, but I certainly don't think, well, we're the best team that's left, so it's, it should be a reasonable, reasonably straightforward path. We've also got a hideous route to the final. So um, I guess, you know, like all City fans, our tendency towards pessimism is kicking in a little bit. I'd just love us to do it, that's all. You've got to beat the best teams to win it, haven't you, Edward? Let's be honest. Bring it on. Yeah, you do. And this is as good a chance as we're ever going to have. Uh, yes, Real Madrid, they've had a... I think they've won five, draw one of their, their games uh, through to the end of the season and ended up winning the Spanish League quite quite handsomely. So they're obviously uh, playing some good football. And interestingly, a lot of those games are winning by the odd goal. I think they only scored two maximum in any of those games but uh, we're grinding out the results so psychologically um, it's going to be ha- you know which city turns up on the on the day and we've seen both of those over uh, the last few weeks um, interestingly the, the those uh, Watford and Norwich games I think there was only one change uh, of the, the, the first 11 from one game to the next which is unusual from the rotation we've been doing so I think Guardiola has been testing out his his Champions League team and uh, putting uh, you know the, the, the players that we know uh, can perform on the big stage together just to make sure that they're as gelled as they can be. So um, I'm trying to not look too far beyond the Real Madrid second leg to make sure we get through, and then we can really think about uh, what's possible. But you know why not? You know we've we've shown that we can compete with um, anyone uh, on the world stage, and if if the uh, the, the runes are in our favour, then this could be our year. And uh, uh, I think no one would begrudge us um, if we did manage to finally lift that trophy. Why not, Steve Cox? Why not indeed? Absolutely. Well, no, why not? We're in the driving seat at the moment. We've got the advantage over Real Madrid coming from the, the first leg of that game. We've got the two away goals that are very, very useful and they sort of put things in our favour no reason we've just got to take advantage of it and actually hammer it home now um if we get past that then we've we've obviously got a difficult draw to go through to the final um but you know like you said we've got to beat all of the teams that are in it to actually get to the final there's no there are no easy teams left in that competition there are no easy games there are some that are easier than others but they'd all give you a good game on their day so i look forward to it i really am it's going to be interesting to have european football back again um i wonder how they're going to do the artificial booing of the UEFA anthem. I'm not sure quite how we're going to achieve that with the, <laughs> the, the sort of like the crown sound. But, um, you know, it's a shame we can't do it. I should be sat there in my living room booing, that is for sure. 
And we'll be, jo- we'll be joining you, Steve. This has been a great pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to Steve Cox, to Edward Timson, and to Sarah Messenger. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.